재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 And we're back. We're talking about the very serious financial difficulties expected for, we can call them the baby boomer generation here in Korea as they head into retirement. Now, albeit perhaps not to the same extent, there are various problems with retirement in other countries as well. So we're going to try to take a more global perspective and see how other countries tackle this problem. Uh, give us your thoughts. Text us at pound 1013 for 51 or send us a cacao talk message. Uh, we have two experts set to join us on the line. Uh, but first, once again, from Catholic University, Professor Yang Jun Suk. Professor Yang, uh, welcome back. Do you believe that this plan by Korea to raise the retirement age by five years, uh, which would, I suppose, increase the economically active population, assuming that we have more elderly as a percentage of the population. Is that a stopgap measure or is that a very, very nice solution? Well, in the long term, it's something that you're going to have to do. I don't think any, I don't think you could have any way around it. Unless people work for more years, I don't think they can afford to save for their retirement. Having said that, though, for the current uh, older people, for the people who are in their mid-50s right now, it's not going to be much of a help because, well, they may have raised the retirement age, but there still has to be jobs for them. And as we know right now, there's not enough jobs to uh, to go around. So there's if uh, so at least in the short run, I think you'll see a lot of generational conflict uh, between younger people who don't really want the older people to hang on and older people who want to hold on to try to save more. Yeah, and then the issues of seniority-based pay and all of those things that we've discussed as well uh, come into play. Let's have our experts uh, join us as well. Uh, first, from Italy, we have economics professor at the University of Bocconi, uh, Professor Vincenzo Galasso, and uh, joining us from London, we have uh, from London Business School finance professor uh, Joa Coco. Gentlemen, thank you very much for joining us. Hi, thank you thank very you. much for having me. Professor Galasso, if I can uh, begin with you, uh, do you believe that the uh, political motivations of people in public office and their desire to, I suppose, win elections, uh, including uh, the elderly population, could be sort of a uh, hindrance in terms of uh, creating a long-term sustainable safety net? Well, uh, as, uh, as uh, Professor Young just said, um, uh, in, in many cases, um, there is some sort of, uh, of an intergenerational conflict when uh, issues of social security and pensions are discussed. And this is often the case because, of course, the preferences over those systems uh, differ uh, across generations. Um, this is related to the labor market, but it's also often related to the fact that when these systems were put in place uh, to begin with, uh, the first generation to retire, uh, received a better deal than the later generations. Now, of course, politicians have to um, aggregate preferences, and uh, of course they put more weight on those people who are politically more active or politically more relevant. Uh, I don't know what is specifically the situation in, in Korea, but I can tell you that in many European countries, including Italy, which is where I'm right, uh, right now, um, the elderly have uh, uh, certainly uh, a big, uh, uh, big political power. So uh, any type of political decision that it's taken uh, is certainly biased a little bit more towards, uh, I would say, the preferences of the elderly, uh, the elderly people. 
Now, what does that mean in terms of uh, in terms of, of social security and, and pension? Uh, I would say that that means mostly that reforms uh, that uh, reduce um, the pension benefit, and I'm thinking now about Italy in particular, for example. Uh, they're very difficult to be made, and yeah. we have seen the same in other countries, like in the U.S. And so, uh, I imagine that uh, that the situation for the younger people is, is a little bit problematic, also because of this political pressure by the elderly, uh, by the elderly generations. Mm. Professor Coco, uh, the 2008 financial crisis, uh, the Great Recession. How much of a negative impact has that had? on this baby boomer generation's ability to save for retirement all around the world? Uh, yes, uh, the, the great, uh, great Recession had an impact on the individual's earnings, uh, certainly. Uh, many individuals lost their jobs and they became unemployed. Uh, uh, many more realized that their expected future earnings growth would not be as large as they had expected before the onset of the Great Recession. What, what, what this means is that uh, many individuals have to revise down their expectations regarding the future, regarding their lifetime resources, re regarding the levels of consumption they'll be able to achieve. And uh, what happens in such, in such times, in such difficult times, is that the focus tends to shift to the near term and away from, from retirement. So we are not so concerned about the longer term. We need to deal with the, with the shorter term now. So this is from an individual's perspective. But what I would say was the main impact of the Great Recession on retirement savings uh, has been through the effect that is that uh, on interest rates. Mm -hmm. uh, as, as you know, uh, as a response to the Great Recession, uh, many central banks around the world uh, lowered interest rates uh, to record lows. And uh, they have maintained these interest rates at a very low level for a, a period of time that has been much longer than many, many people would have, would have anticipated or expected a few years back. So what does this mean? What this means is that when you have interest rates that are so low, you need to save a lot more to generate a given level of retirement income uh, a, few years, a few years down the line. Um, so, uh, and so this is, has made the, the, the situation of savers particularly difficult. Um, for those that have made pension promises, such as governments or uh, pension schemes and so on, what this means is that the, the, the present value of these liabilities has all of a sudden ballooned, and uh, the deficits in these pension plans are massive uh, as yeah. a result of this uh, low, very low interest rate environment. So, and uh, so this created a, a difficult situation uh, uh, for these pension plans, for pension providers uh, throughout, throughout the world, precisely yeah. at the time when individuals are also uh, under strain. Now, Professor Young, as uh, both of our professors have uh, pointed out, uh, challenging situations in Italy or places like the U.K., however, maybe it's a bit of a grass is greener. It feels like the South Korean situation is even more dire. How do you rate right now the pension scheme here, the welfare programs, how it's uh, placed and set, and how does it compare to countries in Europe? Okay, my understanding, based on my understanding, the problem with Korea is that, well, uh, a lot of critics point out correctly that the benefits of the Korean system is lower than most European systems. Uh, but I think in the context, that's understandable, at least in terms of history. Uh, whenever you have these type of welfare policies starting out, you usually start out with government providing partial income. They're not really, at the beginning at least, you're, they're not expected to provide for your entire income. But over time, as the uh, tax revenue grows, uh, as the uh, resources grow, it uh, enlarges to encompass more and more uh, responsibility for a retiree's uh, li uh, 
uh, income. Mm -hmm. uh, but Korea, because the system was only set up about 20, 25 years or so, uh, in the you know, 1980s, if I remember correctly, and that was that started originally only for a very select group of people, and it expanded only during the 1990s to cover everybody. Uh, so this is relatively a new system. Mm -hmm. So if you look at it historically, you would only be expected to provide partial income for these people, but because the uh, after the financial crisis, uh, the situation has come, become so dire, people expected to cover their almost their entire income. And the system, I think, is much too young and much too inexperienced for that. But we're stuck in this situation. So uh, I think uh, we were uh, relying on this unrealistically to begin with, but that's the situation yeah. we are in right now. Okay, well, uh, not very pretty picture indeed. Professor Galasso, is there like a magic bullet? Is there any way we can reinforce the pension system but not levy higher taxes on this shrinking war force? You mentioned the generational conflicts that always arise here and try not to hinder the younger generation's ability to save up for their own retirement as, pen uh, as benefits, as you say, will always uh, go down as generations pass. Yeah, I think there is no magic formula here, unfortunately. But um, uh, what we have learned from uh, the uh, dynamic of the last 20 years is that uh, in many countries, taxes are already too high. I mean, Social Security contributions are already too high, and it's not conceivable that they can actually go higher than that. Uh, so I wouldn't see uh, an increase in, in, in taxes as, as a feasible solution, at least in, 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 in many countries. Uh, on the other hand, what we know is that part of this uh, population aging is due to drop in fertility, but also to an increase in longevity. Mm -hmm. And this increase in longevity, so living longer, hasn't been matched uh, with an increase in retirement age. So I think that the, uh, certainly one of the things that will have to happen in the future is that retirement age will have to increase, at least to keep up with the increase in longevity. Uh, there are evidence that this is actually uh, happening um, this has been happening since the mid-90s. So if you look at um, in the, the data from the OECD countries, you see that there is a large drop in the retirement age from the 60s up until the mid-90s. But then since the mid-90s, the retirement age has actually been increasing a little bit. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the direction to go. Now, one thing which is important, and it often comes up in, in, in the public debate, is whether having elderly people retiring later is actually going to reduce the number of, of available jobs for the young. And right. I want to say here that this is typically known in, in economics as the lump of labor fallacy. So it's actually not true. We don't find an empirical correlation between these two things. It's not true that when the elderly uh, work longer years, this is going to decrease the number of jobs available for the young uh, for, for many reasons, mm -hmm. including the fact that the type of jobs that young and old have are actually typically uh, relatively different. And in, in, in fact, we don't, we don't see this in the data. So there is, I mean, there, there is not to be worried about the fact that if the elderly work a bit longer, uh, there won't be jobs for, for the young. That's not mm. going to happen. At least this hasn't happened in okay. Europe in the last 20 years. Professor Coco, uh, Professor Galasso referenced the United States and the Social Security uh, issues. Uh, it, politically, it was very difficult for them a number of years back to try to privatize certain aspects of their pension schemes. But are there some ways to create any alternative or fully funded retirement schemes that have defined 
contributions and payouts outside of a public pension scheme in various countries? Yes, uh, and, uh, and there's been a number of countries where they've been made efforts in that dire direction recently. Uh, essentially, uh, fully funded the retirement schemes with defined contributions. Uh, they, they all involve the creation of, of an individual retirement account, uh, a personal retirement account, if you will, if you want, uh, to which individuals, uh, both individuals and their employers, are going to contribute. Uh, uh, very often, government also tends to pitch in by providing some tax incentives uh, to both individuals and, and, and employers. Uh, the, the funds, importantly, the funds held in these retirement accounts are then invested in financial assets. Uh, one crucial aspect of all these, these, uh, these schemes, uh, which goes back to a question that Professor Young, uh, initially that Professor Young was mentioning uh, uh, earlier on during the interview, mm -hmm. is that uh, uh, in these schemes, uh, individuals, uh, the, 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 the people bear the investment risk. What does this mean? It means if asset returns turn out to be low, uh, then their level of retirement income will also be low. So right. they are, uh, we are transferring the risk from, from the government towards individuals. Uh, so they are going to be responsible for their own retirement. They are going to be responsible for their own investment, investment decisions. And so this is the general structure of the schemes, and uh, the general structure, I would say, is, is fairly similar across countries where, where there's been uh, reforms being imp implemented. Um, uh, this doesn't mean there are no differences across countries. There are large differences across schemes and countries, but the difference lies in whether the schemes are mandatory or not, whether there is auto-enrollment or not, meaning that individuals are automatically enrolled and mm -hmm. then they, if they want out, they need to opt out explicitly. Uh, there are also differences on the level of contributions required in both from individuals and their employers on the funds available to individuals to invest. Uh, how costly are those funds in terms of annual management charges, in terms of administrative costs, uh, and what are the conditions in which individuals can access the savings? So, all yeah. of these, all of these uh, items that I've, I've just mentioned, they have very important implications for outcomes. Uh, they have implications for participation. They have implications for uh, how much, uh, how much uh, uh, the returns that the funds are going to generate. They are going to have implications for how much savings inv inv uh, people, individuals, are going to have uh, by, by retirement, retirement age. And so it is very important to understand, uh, to understand uh, to what levels we are going to mm. set all the contributions or not, what funds are going to be available, made available or not. One aspect that is particularly important are default options. Uh, we have evidence that individuals are, are, when, are less likely to opt out for the different alternatives. So if you, are, if you are given a default option, many individuals are likely to go with the default option and they are unlikely to change it even if they have the option to change it. So this means that the default option becomes extremely important uh, because uh, we know that because of inertia possible, many individuals are not going to, to, to change it. Yeah. And so it is important to pick the, 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 the right, the right uh, funds as a default. It's important to pick the right levels of, of cont contributions. Uh, we're almost out of time, but Professor Galasso, uh, do you believe that a potential solution, it's a volatile subject here in Korea because it's so homogenous and there's been some anti-immigration backlash. I know that situation in Europe also is quite tense, but a more open immigration policy could help mitigate as far as the idea of having more economically active uh, young work people in the economy? Well, I think that migration is certainly a policy to think about when we think about the, the labor market and the fact that with the shrinking population, 
um, there, there may actually be a shortage of, of labor. I don't see it as a long-term solution for uh, for Social Security or pension problems. And the reason is that basically uh, if migrants come in and they enter the, 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 the labor market and hence they contribute to the system, they're certainly increasing the, the amount of contribution to be paid to be used for current pensions. But on the other hand, they're also, of course, creating for themselves a credit towards future pensions. Right. So this is just, uh, you know, can solve in a sense a liquidity problem. But by the same token, it's actually increasing the amount of pension that we have to, to pay uh, in the future. So in a sense, you know, it can just give a short-term relief because, you know, there is more cash coming in immediately. But, of course, this has to be counterbalanced by uh, future pension benefit to be paid uh, by the system. Unless, as it often happens, but that's very unfortunate, that, uh, migrants come in, they actually contribute to the system, and then they leave the country uh, before they actually mm. have acquired uh, their rights to a pension. But I'm not sure that we would like to solve right. the pension problem by having migrants who are typically low-income uh, people coming in, contributing, and then not getting their pension back in the future. Uh, unfortunately, we are going to have to leave it there. Uh, professors Golasso and Coco, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. And Professor Yang here in the studio waiting patiently. Uh, just some thoughts on what you've heard so far from our two professors from Europe. Okay, well, on the uh, labor fa uh, fallacy of labor issue, uh, yes, I agree. In the long run, I think, uh, once uh, the uh, current problems run out, yes, there might be uh, more jobs for the older people available, but for the short run, we have to work out some issues in labor regulations. We also have to work out what are we going to do with wages because the productivity of older people sometimes do fall behind uh, the productivity of prime age working people. So what are we going to do about them? Uh, so uh, that type of problems will have to be worked out, not necessarily through the peak system, but still something has to be worked out uh, so that the wages accurately reflect their productivity. Uh, as for the uh, uh, the uh, risk involved, yes, I think this is actually a global trend. Uh, you are going to see ordinary people being more responsible, more responsible for taking care of the risks exposure. So, uh, we've relied on government and we relied on their employers. We see that that's not working anymore. Uh, one thing that's bugs me personally is I, I'm trying to save, I'm trying to put my money in correct funds uh, so I could uh, get at least some money for retirement. Yeah. Uh, but very often the type of services which are given to me, I'm not very satisfied with. For example, I have a lot of salesmen coming up and they say that they want to put my money in good funds. And then later on when I want to review, they said, do send me some uh, quarterly or yeah. semi-annual returns. But I can never get in touch with people who are rich sold me that product because they moved on. Mm. Uh, so they really do need a better customer service system. And I'm supposed to be a more knowledgeable about these sources, but sometimes I get confused about mm. uh, how the, uh, the uh, funds are distributed and what kind of returns I'm getting. So you can just imagine people who have no economic training at all. So you do need some better uh, services, either through the uh, company, uh, financial companies themselves or through the government, so that they can see what kind, uh, whether they have a good financial product mix. Yeah, some increased professionalism also can help. As, as you've been pointing out during the break, this is going to be a very difficult problem, and I'm sure we'll have to talk about it in more detail later. Professor Yang, as always, thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate 
appreciate your expertise. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. Thank you.